Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if the story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry feathered or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Hello and welcome listeners to episode 87 of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, where too much talking to pets is barely enough. I'm Dr. Robbie Anderton. I'm joined by a man who this week submitted a manifesto to the Agricultural Department of Victoria, outlining the perilous state of affairs surrounding the dangers of kissing your dogs on the mouth, titled, Would You Kiss It If You Know Where It Has Been? A Public Health Crisis. It's Dr. Lewis Kirkham. Lewis, how are you going? You've read it, Robbie. You've read it, mate. You read my manifesto. Oh mate, it was a it was a it was a gripping read, gripping a real page turner. Yeah, I blind copied you on the email. I didn't think you'd read it. Oh, mate, absolutely. I, I read anything you blind copy me into, mate, because I always get worried that it might be uh, yeah, you know, you're trying to sell me uh, blue blue tablets from Canada or something like that. So yeah, always always just got to check and make sure. But now this one was a oh yeah, gripping read, absolutely. Yeah, is this a true story, mate? Is this a, is this something true? Kiss and dogs? what's that about the about the blue tablets that you're trying to yeah. send me or? No, the kissing of the dogs. Wasn't there an article about it this week I saw? Oh, was it really? It oh, was, my goodness. It, it was genuinely an article. I think, I don't know where I saw it. No, I probably should have brought it up in the podcast, but, uh, well, we are, but I haven't got the actual article. Um, wow, about, this, this is art This is art imitating life. Yeah, about something about kissing your dogs and there was some, some infection that you can get that could potentially kill you. Oh, oh wow. Gee whiz. No, yeah. I, hadn't, I hadn't heard about that. I mean, wow, how... How, how topical my off-the-cuff bit of BS has been this week. Yeah, nice. Yeah, very topical, mate. I'm just trying to see if I can find something. Uh, uh, death from a dog lick. Oh. Uh, no, that's last year. No, no. That's last year. That's old news. Yeah, no, that's old news. No, that's, oh. We don't want that. Our, our, our listeners don't tune in for news from last year, Lewis. Here we go. Dog kisses blame for devastating infection. Infection that cost a woman her hands and legs. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, oh wow! Okay, yeah, this, this is going to be really hard to uh, turn into a funny, <laughs> yeah, a funny, funny bend on the podcast, isn't it? Maybe yeah. we'll just stick with your uh, with your pseudo manifesto. Yeah, I think so, definitely. Now we are we are coming over the uh, over the airwaves. We're over the uh, the the phone lines tonight, aren't we? So if we sound a bit different, listeners, that's why. Uh, when I when I said to the kids uh, tonight that we were going to be recording over the phone, uh, Camille said to me, "Are you going to be going out in your car to do it again this week, Daddy?" And I said, <laughs> "No." You, you know what, darling? I might actually, uh, I might actually just stay in the house this time, given that I've got keys. Rather than have to try and do it in the car and, and try and sort of make it, make, make it look a little bit weird with, uh, you know, people walking past me, just talking, uh, t- talking to some random strange person on the end of the phone while uh, everyone else just walks past. So oh, yeah, have... no, in, I'm in, I'm inside. I'm inside of four, four walls and a roof and um, and some dodgy reception. So we'll see how we go this week. I wouldn't have said I was random, mate. That's that's a bit harsh. Strange. Oh, well, strange. Yep, they, they may think that they may think that you're random, Lewis. You're not random to me or to the listeners, but you know, to someone walking past, wondering why someone's talking about uh, about maggots feeding to their dogs, you know, in the back seat <laughs> of their car. You yeah, know, there's um, the questions questions are asked. You know, yeah. I mean, this is this is suburbia here, Lewis. You know, yeah. like we need to we we need to keep up appearances. Yeah, spot on, mate. And how's your week been? <laughs> Uh, oh, sorry, I'm just I'm just getting a good night hug here. Oh, that's not. Oh, this week. Uh, I'll go on this yeah. week. So, um, uh, now you know, you might you might know I've, I've written a couple of books uh, regarding um dogs have, have, and, and have, pregnancy. You mean apart from your manifesto? 
Yes, you may know the books that tell your dog you're pregnant and tell your cat you're pregnant for uh, pregnant yep. owners who are expecting a dog or a cat just how to get them ready. So often... I, in... I, seem, I seem to recall you mentioning it once or twice before, Lewis. Once or twice. Really? No, it's really... Yes. What, what are we, episode 80-something? 80 80 80, 87. 87. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think it's about the... It's about the three hundredth mention, so I reckon so, it's the yeah. first time, mate. No, no, not that I'm keeping count. Did it, did I tell you I sent a copy to the Queen? No, anyway, I digress. Yeah. So, <laughs> so often, I, you know, I'll have consults, and you probably have this too, where you're fairly certain that the the uh, the female owner that's in the consult room is is pregnant, and and because I have a book that can help them with their their young puppy or, or kitten, you know, I um often uh, you know trying to get around the way of perhaps asking are they pregnant without actually saying it. So. Uh, this week, uh, one of my colleagues, Carl, um, yep. obviously had that situation in the concert room, and he's done the straight out. So, you're expecting a new little addition soon to the the uh, the male and female owner. Oh, um, and very got- very ballsy. I uh, I yeah I I don't and I he's- don't ask and I don't ask unless the information is presented because it's uh you know that's that's flying way too close to the sun. And he's got the classic no why. Oh. Oh, no. No, why? And he's like, oh, he's sort of facing the wrong way. And he said, ah, oh, and he's sort of under that. And he's gone, oh, well, your pet, I think there was a spoodle I had, he's about 18 months old. And that's when people start thinking about getting another dog. Oh wow! So he's, tried so he's to, covered he's it really tried well. To sort of back him, back himself out of the uh, out of the hole there. And to, and they've gone, they've gone. Oh, actually, we are thinking of getting another dog soon. That's a great idea. <laughs> Please do agree. <laughs> Get get another dog. Oh, and by the by the way, we're going at it like rabbits too. Oh, so yeah. I mean, hopefully that'll be the uh, yeah. So maybe maybe you had a premonition there. But the thing I do, mate, I go I, I after after a bit of a chat, I'll go. Um, so any major household changes coming up in the future? That's right, how okay. I get around it, mate. And and often they'll have a oh, chuckle. Oh, yeah, we're then. planning a divorce. Is that yeah. a, oh, geez, righty, yeah. Well, one of them is. <laughs> you know, maybe not both of <laughs> them. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> it hasn't come up yet. And and then no. they'll often have a chuckle and go, oh, well, well, having a new baby, would you call that major? Oh, I never would have guessed. That's amazing. Fantastic. Wow, how good's that? There ha- you go. Have you seen my book? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah, we did notice the six copies of it on the front desk as that, it came in. That's but, right. Yeah. Trip over the, the five boxes we've got the, on, the, on the front counter there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the one, the ones that are just holding the front counter up. So yeah. holding the front door open, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, now you don't have the A to K yellow pages to use anymore. Now they just got the boxes of uh, how to tell your cat you're pregnant. Yeah, and so you had your cuddle, mate. How um, how um, how's your week been? Yeah, yeah, good. So um, last Saturday, so I've just started um, started trying to get back into the running again after the marathon. Oof. Like I sort of in, in got, had a couple of uh, sort of you know semi injuries after the uh, after the big run, and so I've been taking it a bit easy. But um, I called in for a um, a park run, which um, for any of the listeners that don't know, there's um, they no, run on. all let around. Me, the, let me guess, yep. a park run that'd be um, uh, I'd be a run in the park. A run in the park, yes, many different Boom. parks, Lewis. Yeah, you know? so so they, oh, there you go. It's right there in the title on on Front Street. So they, um, so the park runs are. It's a it's a free run. It's community um community organised um five k's and these things are run all over the world. So um uh I, the the one I go to locally is in um in Moorabbin and so rocked up there. And there's often people that are running with dogs as well. Um I uh I sort of gave up with um running with Rosie mainly because I was too quick, mate. You know I mean even though she's a whippet, <laughs> you know I was just I was just getting too far out in front. Oh, of her. Don't um, doubt it. Don't she, doubt it. She, 
yeah, you know, she wasn't really enjoying running next to me. And it's like, okay, well, if you're not enjoying this, then it's, I'm not going to force you doing it. So, um, but there was a, a lady that uh, started up ahead of us. Like there was about sort of 250 people doing the park run on the, on the weekend out at Carcrook Park. And so we're, um, we're going for the run and we probably got about, 200 meters in 300 meters in and this lady's dog has just thrown out the poo anchor all right oh. so um so you know the thing where you see the you know the, the dog's in front and then suddenly it pulls behind the owner hasn't realized and suddenly whoa just because yep. the dog f- fully committed so um, dislocate a shoulder so, yes yeah, yeah, we've all done that yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 i've sort of jog- jogged past and now and this lady was you know she was you know moving before the poo anchor went out um and so yeah you know, she's done the right thing picked it up and then then she's come running past me again and um i thought oh, no no yeah she She's gonna pick up her time here pretty well, and what, then uh, what, hang on. It, so, so hang on. She was in front of you. She stopped. So it sounds like the tortoise and the hare, mate. Oh, are you, absolutely. Are you the yeah, tortoise yeah, the, here, or what's going on? Oh, you know, I, well, geez, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Well, she, um, she, she, she let a dog do a poo, which you know, that's a good you know minute or so. That, and then she's so just run that's past hair, you. Hair stopping back. Yeah. <laughs> um. So so then um so then she's caught caught up and gone past again. Third, and, third uh, time. Well, was the, the second time. Then the dogs thrown out another poo anchor. So it was the old thing of you know the dogs. Dogs a bit excited. Probably only got a half of it because she's gone. Come on, we got another four and a half kilometres to go here. And so she passed me going up a hill, and then oh, another poo anchor. Right, okay, right. We need to pick that one up. And so at this stage, by that stage, Lewis, I'd warmed up a little bit, you know. So I sort of hit the put the afterburners on, and so it took off. Um, but then uh, she passed me with about two hundred meters to go, and uh, and I was I was going to say to her afterwards, oh, geez, do you think they'll they'll adjust your time for uh, for having to stop to pick up your dog's poo? But then I thought, oh, do you know what? It's probably a little bit weird talking about your dog having done a poo while you've been doing a park run. I said, that's right. I'll just bring it up for the podcast instead with a whole lot of listeners. Nice. So well, so that's fine. So I thought, yeah. Well, you could have suggested, mate, is, um, you could have suggested some low-residue food of, of some sort, maybe, that uh, any, any food you could have, you know, grabbed a bag out of the car. The- well, well uh, you're you, funny you mention that, mate, because, you know, there is, a, uh, there is quite, a, quite a good food that's now decided to, uh, to join on and, uh, and, and sponsor us in the podcast, uh, Delicate Care. They're uh, a hypoallergenic, uh, hypoallergenic diet. They're uh, made for, they're, actually, did you know, Lewis, that the, um, the, the reason for why when they started trying to make this food um the 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 original um people that started trying to put it together they were uh commissioned to uh to make a food a hypoallergenic food for a japanese businessman i um oh, i believe it was actually the guy that invented the tamagotchis wow really no no not at all not at all i just completely made <laughs> that up but it's definitely japanese. let's go it's with that that's good mr tamagotchi it, it, was it yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah Nakamura t- uh, t- Tamagotchi. Um, yeah, really good guy. Really nice guy. Um, so, so he needed a new diet for his dog um, right. because it had uh, it had dietary allergies. So, so he was trying to find someone that was going to be able to make him a new food. And so, the people behind Delicate Care they had the ability of being able to try and sort of create this dog food. And so, they made it using kangaroo and duck yep. in order to try and make it a novel protein diet. To try and help out Mr. Tamagotchi's uh, dog that had uh, gastrointestinal problems, and uh, it worked well. And then, uh, you know, they started producing lots more food of different varieties and for different health conditions. And uh, yeah, he, here we are now. They want to try and get the word out there, so they're uh, uh, getting us to talk about them. Well, didn't didn't Mr. Tamagotchi had, had two two criteria? I think wasn't it one that was the food need to be palatable. And yes. two that the food need to have low residue, so uh, low residue, yes. low numbers so, of low size stools that he could pick up with his hand. Was that something like that? 
Oh, I, I think that might have been uh, certainly on uh, high on his list. Yeah, it what was. He wanted was uh, it was pick, pick upable poo. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, so delicate care. There, uh, you know, check him out. Speak to your vet about it if your dog's got uh, uh, dietary problems or uh, or skin issues. But they've got a, a range of different diets. You can uh, you can check out their range uh, online. We've got uh, we've got links to the show in the show notes where you can go to their website and see what's going on. And uh, if you'd like to give them a shot, have a talk to your vet. And also, I think last week I mentioned uh, I don't know if they need treats. Well, they do. And the way I've worked right. out that they do have a treat is. Uh, is I've been giving them in the consult room to all my patients. I didn't realise, and I've finally looked at the bag, uh, yeah. and hypoallergenic dental treat that they've got, which is uh, which is kangaroo. So really good for those dogs that have pancreatitis or inflammatory bowel disease or just a dicky tummy that every time they have something a bit different, a bit weird, they you know, or a treat, they have a vomit or a bit of bit of a looser, looser uh, poo anchor, as you Loose call them. Stool. Yes, yeah, stool, stool. Yeah. So, 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 so we need a, a nice pick upable uh, stool, so, so yeah. you know, or, or a, a nice little three legged number or something like that, like a bar stool or you know, <laughs> so, or a toad stool, something. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, so there you go. I've been using them in the consult room, the treats, and the, they're fantastic. I didn't realise that that's what I was I was dishing out. The uh, oh, so you've been you've been using them anyway. Yeah. It wasn't even one that you. Oh wow. Yeah, well, I didn't even right. know. I, was, I was finally uh, looked at the bag and went, "Hang on a second. I know that brand. I've seen that Delicate name before. Yeah, there you go. So. Well, Good, good stuff. So really appreciate those guys. Thank you for your support. Absolutely, and uh, and also the uh, we're we're uh, sponsored by um, by uh, uh, Sonotics. Yes, or I, I keep trying to call it Sonotics, but then uh, but then Anthea, Sonotics. yes, it's Sonotics, and then then Anthea keeps telling me off. I mean, it took. It took it took her long enough for me to try and start saying you know Zilkeen and uh, and Alpha Kazozapine yes. properly. So so you know I said to her, look, you're going to have to cut me some slack here, Anthony. It's going to take me a bit of time to try and get on top of it. But uh, but uh, Sonotics or Sonatix, depending on you know whether you're a tomato or a tomato, um, an ear cleaner. Yep. Lewis, that uh, that's quite uh, quite good at helping to try and break up uh, break up waxy secretions inside of uh, dogs' ears. Exactly. I reckon it's been it's been out there for I reckon a month maybe since I got shown the demo and I reckon I've sold at least 100 bottles of it. It's just going out the well, door. Well, there you good go. Stuff. Really well, it's good, good stuff. T- it's a good time for it to come out. It's springtime anyway. So, yes. um, yeah. Really good so, for those so maintenance, for those dirty ears. You know, every couple of weeks, just, just give them a bit of a flush out with the Sonatix, keep them clean. Yeah, I mean, it's such a big problem at this time of the year where you've got uh, – Dogs, particularly with uh, with seasonal allergies, where they're producing lots of extra wax in those ears, yep. which to start to provide a really good environment for those bacteria and yeast to start to grow up in, and uh, and basically just set you up for an infection long term. So, um, so yeah, finding a good ear cleaner that helps to try and control, given that you can never cure um, ear problems unless there happens to be a grass seed down and you go in there and pull it out and it's done. Most of the time we're looking to try and find a, the, the most appropriate way of trying to control. So having a, uh, a product that can break up wax like what Sonotics can, it's uh, yeah, it's good, good to have in the arsenal. That's good stuff, isn't it? Really good for dissolving wax. And also we've got our Patreon supporters. Yes, of, of which we've got uh, a, a, a friend of... Uh, friend of Christina and mine, Laura Paxino, who's uh, decided to jump on board with uh, all the other Patreoners. So uh, Laura is a vet nurse that um, uh, works uh, out in Cranbourne. So Christina worked with her for many years, and I worked with her for uh, a couple of weeks when I was locoming for a bit because Christina went to Bali before she had Camille. And so they needed someone to come in and work while Christina was uh, out uh, out at the beaches in Bali. So uh, so that was me. So, uh, so yeah, thank you very much, Laura. And if anyone else would like to 
join up with Patreon, uh, just go to patreon.com, search for Two Pets Talk Pets. Two, two Pets Talk Pets? Wow. I've only been saying it for 87 <laughs> episodes, man, and I've dropped drop the ball on that one. Um, so, yeah, so if anyone wants to uh, wants to check us out, they can find us there for as little as uh, $2 a month. You can help to support the podcast like what Laura has. So uh, thank you very much, Patreoners. Thank you very much, Laura, and the rest of you. But uh, speaking of barley, mate, I've got a, I've got a great article segues into that. Nice. This is, this is from from the little paper from uh, looks like yeah, the, yeah, the small paper. Yeah, Herald Rupert, Sun. Rupert's Rupert's rag. Uh, canine stomach virus rampant in Melbourne's inner east, and vets warn humans also at risk. Wow, is this a, is this another uh, uh, kissing dogs on the lips? You what? know, sort of uh, article here, Lewis. Could be or? close, or a sip from the Carver Cup in Fiji. Who knows, mate? What What do you reckon? <laughs> what What's the What's <laughs> What's what's the rampant stomach virus, mate? What are you thinking? Any thoughts before we delve uh, into the article? Look, um, the the only thing that I'd be thinking of, uh, well, I mean, so usually when you're talking about um, rampant uh, canine virus of any real uh, uh, any real sort of you know uh, gravitas would be parvo, um, but that's not something that's going to get spread to humans. So unless they're talking about either you know, Giardia would probably be the big one that would be potentially spread to um, spread to humans, but it's not a virus. No. Unless, unless they're jumping up and down about. Uh, uh, hemorrhagic gastroenteritis or acute hemorrhagic diarrheal syndrome. Is that what they're banging on about? Well, let's let's delve in, mate. I really let's, actually let's, don't. Let's, let's deep dive. I've got no idea what virus they're talking about. Let's let's read in. Dogs across right. the inner, yeah, dogs across the inner suburbs are being struck down with a dose of the dreaded barley belly. Oh no! Yes, it's Lewis. Yes, they've obviously brought it back with them. Yes, and if you're not careful, you could also become a victim. Right, Erin Watteen said her beloved 18-month-old dog Luna became sick after a visit to Surrey Gardens in Surrey Hills. Right. So it's the Surrey Belly. Late uh, last, so the, Surrey, the Surrey Belly. Surrey Belly, not the Barley Belly. The, the, yeah, right. The, yeah. Late last month after a dog picked up another dog's feces. The right. Mo- the morning after, Ms. Watteen said she woke to find Luna at a severe case of diarrhea. By day two, her stools were laced with blood. She rushed mm. Luna to the vet where she arrived, and listen to this, to find five other people already anxiously waiting with their own sick dogs. Oh, no. Epidemic. Well, well I reckon that's just a waiting room, mate. We have sick yeah. dogs in the waiting room all the time. <laughs> it's like, well, yep. So, that, yep, that's a pretty standard day. You rock up and there's other sick dogs in the waiting room. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> She was told the surgery had seen 40 dogs with similar symptoms in two days. Yeah, hang, hang on. Is it, can you hear a siren going off somewhere? <laughs> no. is, that, is, that, is, that, is, that, is that the BS siren that I can hear, Lewis? 20 dogs a day with, with, with bloody diarrhea. Wow. wow. Gee whiz. That's a, wow. lot of, that's a lot of poo. And, and does it say anything about what time of the day she was there as well, Lewis? Because, I mean, there's only a certain number of... Uh, you know, like so, if you're saying, you know, you, you'll see four consults in an hour. Um, so, so they're talking about five hours worth of consults. <laughs> um, yeah, per day have been dedicated to uh, to Surrey Belly. That's that's a lot of code Browns, isn't it, mate? In the way that, that's room? a lot of code Browns. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes. well, was code Red Brown probably. Yeah, that's true. A bit of a mixture, like yeah. a, more like a. Uh, Maybe a magenta or, you know. Or magenta, a, yeah. yes, yeah. A nice crimson. <laughs> crimson, code crimson. Yes. 
I'm, it, try, I'm trying to remember what what uh, what what Derwent description that that number would yeah that that uh, yeah. particular pencil cut all it would have been oh, yeah. my old Derwent uh, Derwent uh, pencil pencil oh, set. Well, your, your Dulux would be an antique mahogany, I imagine, or something like that. Oh, quite right, a, yes. qu- quite a strength. Yes. Did, did did they go to the dual lux color wall down at Bunnings and uh, and sort of try and measure it out? They go look down. What what did it actually look like? What code are we going to call this one? Eh? Yeah, yeah. Is it a quarter strength or a half strength? Quieter, quieter, mate. Yeah, from last quieter. week. Quieter, quieter. A quieter strength. It's pretty nice. dangerous and it can spread quickly. Ms. Watteen said. Now she's not a vet, but she she knows. She's not a vet. No. Yep. I saw some dogs at the vet and they couldn't even stand up. Right. Right. Yeah, well, very good. They, maybe maybe they, they were lame. They'd done their yeah. cruciate, done knee injury, nothing to do yes. with diary. There's a little, a little Daxon that's blown its disc in its back. Yes. It, there were five yeah. of those, five of those in an yeah, hour. Well, well, one, one was a bright green dog, dog uh, Teddy of a little girl that was uh, that was just lying <laughs> on the ground and it wasn't moving at all. <laughs> now, this is where uh, Hawthorne East vet, Dr. Mar- Mark Matthews, and I, yep. I, I know Mark. He's great. He's a great guy. I nearly took a job there actually uh, before I took Port Melbourne. Um, yep. So finally, we get a bit of sense in the article. It said gastroenteritis was a common infection that occurred in low numbers throughout the year. Agreed. Yep. Totally agreed. But Dr. Matthews said there had been a spike in recent months. Seasonal changes may be helping the bugs survive for longer outside the body, aiding in their transmission. He said with Giardia and Campylobacter. So that's an that's a bacteria. Yep. Giardia is like a, a, a parasite. And Campylobacter yep. is a, a bacteria. The most commonly diagnosed these clinics in Hawthorne, Kew, and Fairfield. What happened to the rampant virus or the barley, the Surrey belly? Yeah, yeah. Now we we quickly moved away from virus. We kind of. Uh... It, it, it kind of done a, uh, a George W. Bush esque uh, sort of left hand hand turn. Yeah, the the slide of hand Lewis. Yeah, oh, what I did not inhale, didn't inhale. Yeah. Is, it? Yeah. <laughs> is that what you mean, mate? Or, I'm going to back out. I was I thought of something else that I could have said around there, but I'm I'm, I'm just going to back right out. Wasn't right Mon- out. Not not Monica Lewinsky related. No, no, sure, no, mate. no, definitely right. not. Good. No, good, no, good. no, 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 no. De- I, I, I respect uh, respect my listeners too much to to do that. So no, I was <laughs> I was I was gonna I was gonna talk about something else, but I've I've, I've thrown right. the uh, yeah throw, thrown the uh, the the anchor down, thrown out the the parachute, and come to a grinding halt. So Dr. Matthews. <laughs> Yes. Said both are able to be passed on to humans. Well, that's true. Campylobacter and Giardia can be passed to humans. We, they sure are. We do not want people to panic. Well, don't read this article. Too late. Then. Yeah, don't read yes, the article. Yeah. They, they should tell the, the journalist, Rebecca Denuso, the progress yes. leader journalist. We do not want people to panic as these diseases are always around in low numbers. However, as we've seen an increased number recently, we want to remind people to pay careful attention to basic hygiene, Dr. Matthews yes. said. Agreed. Clean up feces and avoid accidental fecal oral transmission. Manifesto. Yes. Washing hands regularly. Avoiding feeding your pet raw meat. Freezing first reduces the risk. Ooh, not sure about that one. Might be yeah. some poetic license in there. Yep. And avoid shared water bowls. Between, between the dogs and the humans. Well, yeah, don't get down in the dish lick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't get down. Manifesto. Liquid. Yes, yes. It was, it's a theme, isn't it? It is, absolutely. He warned pet owners to watch out for diarrhea, loss of appetite and vomiting. Well, that's pretty standard. And he said... Yeah, anyone- yeah, keep, it, yeah keep an eye out for that at the, at the most of times. That's right. a good idea. And he said anyone knows their pet displaying these symptoms should visit their vet. 
So rampant barley sage belly, mate. Advice there. Rampant sage advice. Rampant barley belly. Sorry, belly. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. So, um, so I guess the thing there with you, so Campylobacter, and um, so Campylobacter certainly being a, a bacterial infection. That's um, but Giardia usually more comes from infected water sources. Yes. So, so, so that'd be the thing, and, and that's generally I think the time when. Uh, it's more likely that you're going to get that that sort of zoonotic risk of um, or sort of infection between humans and animals is when you've got the uh, the, the contaminated water source. But when, when you um, when you're camping downstream of the of the of the dog kennels, is that what you're saying, mate? Exactly, yeah, and you haven't used enough of the water purifying tablets you picked up from BCF. Exactly, you haven't you haven't put enough iodine in the in the, in the water. Yeah, you've, you've you've just what you've you've washed your toothbrush just with the the, the river water, yeah. and you sort of forgot all about it. And you go, oh no, I'm I'm sure it'll be all right. And then away you go. And the, camp, the campsite think. dogs swimming upstream of you, and you're downstream, just uh just uh yeah, rinsing the mouth out like a like a um like a mouthwash. Oh, but just gargling it out. Just, Love oh, it. This is going yeah. well. It's going good. Brilliant. This is really good. Yeah. Visual. Um, so that's that, that's interesting. So so we've actually had a um. A couple of cases of uh, the uh, hemorrhagic uh, gastroenteritis, um, or you know, it, it's and and I think sometimes, like, well, certainly it can be you know an infectious cause, and if you're in a in a you know, epidemiologically, if you've got a, a breakout, an outbreak of the the same disease or the same symptoms in a whole lot of dogs in one area, well, it's not going to be because they've all got dietary issues. You know, like yep. it's going to be that something that's being in, that something that is infectious around. So, um, but uh, the, the often the low level um, sort of ones where you see them every now and again, I actually think a lot of them can be from um, dogs with dietary issues oh, as yeah. well. You know, where they have a, that um, you know, like a, almost like an allergic reaction because because they've eaten a protein, you're probably not delicate care, you know, but um, they've eaten something that their guts had a um, had a reaction to, and then they've ended up with uh, diarrhea. And often then when you've got the, we've spoken about it in the podcast before, when uh, dogs have got large intestinal inflammation, that'll often be the time where then they'll, they'll start to pass out blood as well, because the, the lining of their intestines is so inflamed. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I don't know the percentage, that could be 80 or 90%, particularly in younger dogs that come in with diarrhea. It's all dietary related. You know, it's very, what well, it happens sometimes, but it's certainly uncommon that there's a, you know, a, a bacterial component. And often, if owners insist on getting a, a test of the feces for some of those things, by the time you get the test back and they've started on some bland food, maybe some delicate care, the, the yeah. stomach version, oh, we're getting in some plugs, aren't we, mate? Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And by the time they sort of started on that and you get the result back a week later and you ring them up with the result and say, look, that was all clear, they go, yeah, we know, yeah, that, that food's fixed it. And you're like, yeah, there you go. It's pretty well. Or even then... Uh- even as um as, as Clint was saying, uh, Dr. Clint Udelman, the specialist that we had on months ago, you know, when you do these tests, often you get them back and you, you know, they're often a bit sort of nebulous with the uh, with the results you get back anyway, because you go, oh well, you know, you've got you've got these bacteria in your gut, but you kind of always do, so it yes. doesn't necessarily mean that they're the ones that are causing the problems or not, you know, yeah. like they're 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 incredibly. Uh, incredibly sensitive for picking up the organisms, but is it actually specifically the organism that's causing the problem? Exactly. There's a lot of of bad bugs in your poo, aren't there? 
Yeah. So um. So yeah. There you go. You know. Don't, you know. Read read Lewis's manifesto and uh, and and make <laughs> sure that you don't share water bowls with your dogs, particularly if you're in Hawthorne, Fairfield, and Kew. And and what a shame for those um for those dogs that are that are around in those areas too, Lewis. I mean, they're they're really from the uh they've had a lot of uh, issues around in that. You know, it's, it's a real sort of hard knock hard knock life over there. You know, well, um, the, for the dogs in the, the the leafy eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Well, they're on the wrong side of the Yarra, aren't they, mate? Really, unfortunately you know <laughs> uh, we, we get actually in Port Melbourne we get a lot of diarrhea stuff and I'm not sure if it's if we get a lot of diarrhea issues I, I would see quite a few in a day I'm not sure if it's because of the apartment style living where if you've got a dog with a diarrhea in your apartment you know about it you know because yeah a, gotcha you know you're walking over the mess or whether maybe the pets are a little bit more indulged in this area, and they're more likely yeah. to feed something a little bit, just a little bit funky and a little bit, uh, a little bit exotic. Not your, yes, yep. not, your not your duck and kangaroo, but more your um, yeah. foie gras, foie gras. How do I say that? Whatever, pate, foie gras. That one, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. And or, uh, or maybe maybe a bit of leftover. Salmon. Uh, Maybe a bit of you know, sriracha mayo or something like that, or maybe some smashed avocados. It'd be bigger in your area. Yep. You Bless know? you. Yes, sriracha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bless you. Yeah, smashed over a bit, mate. They'd be smashed over a bit of smoked salmon. Lovely. Fantastic, fantastic. As a uh, yeah, just on your uh, on your eggs Benedict as well. Yeah, nice. Yeah, salmon eggs ben- Benny with a bit of a uh, bit a bit of smashed avocado underneath your your artesian sourdough. Yeah, yeah, with a bit of a, a dukkah there as well. I reckon. Oh, you can't forget the dukkah, Lewis. Yes. Yeah. yeah, nice, a nice bit of dukkah with a nice, uh, yeah, uh, a cold pressed virgin olive oil to sort of just just slam in, into that uh, into that sourdough. <laughs> nice, oh sourdough, Good mate. One. I, I, don't you mean? Um, oh, I've forgotten what it's called now. F- I forget that. No, don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, <go on. laughs> we'll cut. We'll cut that out in post. Yeah. We'll cut that out in post. Not likely. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, you know what else is uh, is awkward? Yeah. Um, did you did you hear about the um about the narwhal that was born over in America? No. What? No. So you haven't heard about narwhal? Tell me about narwhal. Right. Have you are you sitting in front of your computer or you got your phone there that you can yeah, quickly yeah, call yeah, up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll pick it up. Yep. Oh yeah, so, yeah. So, I got it here. So, yeah, yeah. Yep. So quickly pull up a do a search for narwhal doll. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I've got it. Yeah, oh, it's got it there. straight up, so, mate. So I'm not sure whether or not listeners are across it, but um, there is. Um, uh, this is an article that was. Um, so I'm reading this one from the New York Times. How Narwhal, the unicorn puppy, may have grown a tail on his head. Now, a big shout out to uh, to Christina because she was watching. Um, uh, have you been paying attention last night? And she said, "Oh, did you see the story about the dog that had the tail growing in the middle of its forehead?" I said, "No, I didn't, but I'm going to look it up now because we're recording a podcast tonight, so this sounds like content." Don't so, don't lie, mate. She was watching Oprah, wasn't she? Oprah or Ellen, oh, something absolutely. earlier in the day. And, and you get a unicorn puppy, and you get a unicorn puppy, and you get a unicorn puppy. <laughs> Narwhals for everybody. <laughs> Narwhals for everyone. So for anyone that's not. So for anyone that's not across their uh, exotic uh, uh, marine uh, species, a narwhal is a is a some sort of a fishy kind of thing that's got a, uh, a, a like a screw. T- What's that? A fish kind of thing. It is a fish, isn't it? 
Well, kind of, I guess. You know, I mean, I don't think it's a seal and it's certainly not a human and I don't think it's a unicorn. So, and it lives underwater. So, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and call it a fish. Yep. Um, but it's got this like, sort of corkscrew horn on its head. Um, and so, what, what's happened is a, uh, a little puppy. So, uh, there's a, the picture I'm looking at here. Narwhal, the 10 week old puppy with a tail growing between his eyes at Max Mission Anu- uh, Animal Rescue in Cape Garadio in, uh, in Montana. Wow. So, um, so, so reading from the story here, this story is written by, uh, oh, what's this, trilobite? It's not going to be written by a trilobite. Ah, here we go. Uh, Elizabeth Preston, um, a puppy with a tail on his face gained viral fame this week. I think this uh, it's a different kind of virus to the one that was causing all those uh, the, the the forty dogs in two days in the leafy suburbs of Melbourne. Oh, it's not nar- I would not narwhal belly. It's a not narwhal belly. No. no, no. I would die for narwhal. A number of Twitter commenters pledged. Like, gee whiz, things have gotten a little bit real here already. Right. So, so the the rescue nut was named for a marine mammal. Well, there you go. It is a mammal yes, with a single it's a whale. tusk. That's it's a whale. There Top you of go. Whale. Yep. That, that sticks out. What's well, not an odd fish at all, Lewis? I don't know what you're trying oh, to tell no, me. This Jesus, fish, mate, you should know that. What's you're, going on? We found there was a vet um, we could ask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two vets talk fish. Talk, talk marine mammals. Talk rubbish. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, well, we do that. Yeah. Um, but instead of a tusk, Narwhal the puppy has a miniature tail flopping between his eyes. Oh. Scientists don't agree on how the unusual heart stealer came to exist. A Missouri shelter called Max Mission, which specialises in what it calls janky dogs, took what? the abandoned puppy. Yeah. So that so janky must be their thing for, for not quite right, Lewis. You know. They specialise um, in narwhal dogs. Narwhal dogs. dogs. Yes. Staff were disappointed that Narwhal's extra tail didn't wag, but the appendage didn't seem to bother the otherwise normal, healthy puppy, and a veterinarian said there was no need to remove it. An x-ray showed no bones. Right. Now... Now, the, the article goes on to talk about, so they've uh, interviewed um, uh, Margaret Castle, a professor at the University of Pennsylvania School of Veterinary Medicine, and she's got a theory, Lewis, on where this tale or what this tale actually is. Do you want to hazard a guess? Oh, mate, I would say he's eaten his twin. Well, that's, that's pretty well what they <laughs> he's, reckon. He's eaten his twin and the tail's just the last bit that's left. The last little bit that's left, and he tried eating it with his forehead. It was actually he was eating it with his fontanelle when he was a puppy, yeah. and uh, and so the other part, the, the other part of the dog's just sort of gone into his into his cranium, into the brain, and so it's just the tail that's sticking out. I think that's it. It's like when you see you remember those old Garfield um, uh, uh, things, all the tiger tails yeah. that you used to hang out of your uh, yeah. boot back when you in the eighties. Same thing, same thing. So it's the actual uh, his twin that's sticking out of his forehead. It's like it's you're like- pretty close. It's like he had a it's like a, a time warp tunnel in his forehead, and then just as the tail is about to go through of his twin, it's just closed off and shut it down. And it's t- and it's got stuck on his head, just I, stuck I, on his forehead. I think that's what's happened. And I tell you what, for all the places where you've got body parts, to have to get it right in between your eyes, I mean, the good thing is this dog probably can't see it because it's right in between his eyes. But you know, it just means that everyone else can see it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> So, so Professor Castle at the uh, UPenn um, says that the tail is probably narwhal's parasitic twin. 
So a regular identical twins form when an embryo splits in half very soon after fertilization. Sometimes this split happens too late in a pregnancy and the halves don't fully separate, leading to conjoined twins. Even more rarely, Dr. Castle said, the late split is asymmetrical, meaning one side of the embryo grows into a fully formed individual and the other becomes an extra body part. Wow. And hello to all our, hello to all our Tasmanian listeners out there. <laughs> just, just a little bit of shade there. Um, Dr. Castle highlighted a little mohawk of backward-growing fur above narwhal's face tail, similar to the crest on a dog such as a Rhodesian Ridgeback. She oh. said that this could suggest a twin's rear end on narwhal's face. Well, so there you go. So when you have a look at the dog's, uh, the dog's head, quite literally, you know, this dog's a butthead. So, so there so, you go. So she's managed to name the breed of the tail of the dog that, it's, uh, that the narwhal swallowed. Is that right? She the narwhal who, sorry? So she's saying that from a tail, she can identify that as a Rhodesian Ridgeback. Ridgeback that, a, a, that's been a, swallowed. Yeah, it's a, nar, a narwhal Ridgeback, I think. Right. Oh, so the other dog, narwhal is a Ridgeback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they they, uh, they also then went and uh, interviewed a, uh, a dude from uh, the University College of uh, Dublin School of Veterinary Medicine, Dr. Kilroy. Um, initially, when I was reading this, I was uh, I read it as Dr. Kiljoy. I bet and I you thought, did. Yeah, yeah. I thought, no, hang on, actually, hang on, that doesn't sound right, David uh, David Kilroy. So he initially thought that it was a clever bit of computer work and wasn't real. But then when he's looking at the photos in the x-ray, it looks like it's some outgrowth, of, some weird outgrowth of skin. Although something so large and strange would be most unusual. Well, of course it is, Dr. Kilroy, because a dog has got a tail hanging out of its forehead. Um, <laughs> Dr. Castle, though, said the bottom of a spine can't develop bones without signals from the top. So if narwhal's appendage is a parasite, twin it might make sense that it never grew bones uh and it goes on to say that animals are sometimes born with more extreme spare parts like an entire second head two-headed calves occasionally show up in headlines yep. although they usually die soon after birth yeah I, sn- I pulled a few of those out and when i worked down have, afro yep yep have you really yeah yep. you've had to pull out a couple of uh two-headed calves double-headed calves yeah for sure yeah, yeah. it's tricky it's tricky you reach in you go oh that feels really weird something going that on feels there. a bit weird yeah. especially when you're trying and pull the one out and the other one keeps trying to come out at the same time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I'd never had one of those when I was working out. Oh, with really? No, no, I've had them. No. I had one with a vet student, I think. Uh, um, and uh, and she couldn't work it out. I knew what it was as soon as I put my hand in and she could not work it. She got, oh, I think it's twins. I'm going, but where are the other legs? There's only two heads. Where are the other legs? Wow. Uh, yeah, it's pretty creepy. There you go. You pull them out. Yeah, they don't last long, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So there you go. So there's a not um, or a, a uh, Michael Levin who directs the Allen Discovery Centre at Tufts University said that while narwhal is a cute example of development gone awry, um, gone awry. Sorry, um, I've seen a lot weirder. Um, Dr. Levin studies how signals between cells, especially electrical signals, help to organise a whole animal into the correct shape. Researchers in his lab have created worms with four heads, tadpoles with eyes on their backs, and six-legged frogs. Wow. Yeah, oh. so it sounds like Tufts University has got some very interesting uh, ethical uh, ethics committee um, uh, uh, gaps. Well, the French, the, French, <laughs> yeah, the French would like that, wouldn't they? It's not, uh, oh, well, six, frogs six with six legs, frogs. yeah. Absolutely. The commercialization of that product is huge. I mean, instead of only having to work, we'll try and get two from each frog, suddenly you're getting six from each frog. My goodness. Yeah, or even four to six, yeah. And then the (laughs) snails with extra eyes, that's amazing. They they wouldn't eat the front legs of frogs, would they? There wouldn't be enough meat on them. Oh, you don't reckon they do? No. no. So they just go to waste the front legs. That's disappointing. 
Well, oh, no, they'd probably put it into a bit of a soup or something like that. Oh, maybe. probably, probably a dog food. One of the one of the less yeah. premium <laughs> brands would have a frog's legs and <laughs> frog, right, frog yeah, legs yeah. and snails. Yeah, version. <laughs> there you go. So there you go, narwhal. The narwhal, the puppy. What a what a cute but strange looking little creature he is. Fantastic. And for those of you who uh, don't know what the word janky means, oh, uh, yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. looking up of extremely poor or unreliable quality. Well, there you go. Mm, just just like janky. a like a dog that's got a tail growing out of his head. Yeah, unreliable quality. Well, there you go. This, uh, Have you ever been described as janky, Lewis? Uh, no, no, and thankfully none of my surgical work either. All <laughs> 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 my vet work. <laughs> and speaking um, of that, we better go on to the slam, I reckon. Yeah, no problems at all. Uh, let me just pull it up on my computer, given that I'm not... Uh, here we go. All advice on this show is generally nature, so please consult your veterinarian before following any advice for your pet. We do our best to provide the most up-to-date information because veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing. Please let us know if we've missed anything or if you need any clarification or if your dog has a weird appendage growing out of it somewhere, but not the weird appendage that's supposed to be there, you know? <laughs> weird appendages that are supposed to be there, we're not interested in it. It's just if it's a weird appendage growing out of somewhere that's, you know, that's not supposed to be there right thanks for that clarification right we got that sorted. that's what i'm here for we're here for we yeah that's that's why we have the disclaimer there lewis educate educate edutainment edutainment that's right yeah i just uh, i think the question on everyone on all the listeners lips would be um how many instagram followers has now got now oh i i we're probably better off not looking because it is only going to depress us. That would be some serious coin, I reckon, if you owned that puppy. Very cute. My goodness, yeah. Um, so apparently, like, one of the things I was reading was that people have been, um, like, they were offering thousands and thousands of dollars yeah. to, to adopt the dog. Um, and they've gone, no, no, he's just available for $170 because he's a rescue dog. We're not here trying to make extra money out of him. So um, oh, I think on. a lot of people have. I think a lot of people donated. Well, not only did people were people donating to the um, to the, the mission, yeah, you know, to, to the to the um, to the carers, but there was actually then a whole lot of people that were actually used his image and were setting up fake GoFundMe oh, accounts. Oh, oh yes. Yes. You know the old the old dodgy thing of you know it's 2019. So if anyone's got a chance of trying to get a um you know especially when a dog like that goes viral, you know pretty easy for unscrupulous people Lewis to um to start to try and exploit it. Yeah, I wonder if if uh, it'd be unfortunate if in the middle of the night sort of uh you know the cleaner came in and just tied a bit of dental floss around it and just sort of dropped off like a like a they do to the little lambs and stuff isn't it just just tie it around tightly and just next morning it's gone like uh oh there goes our money. Well- well, maybe that's the thing. Maybe I wonder how many other narwhals are out there that have just had their uh, uh, had their their little appendage removed, and it's just like, oh no, no, look, that's fine. We'll just take that off. And it's like, hang on, you know, there'll be someone else out there going, I, I had the uh, yes. tail removed from between my dog's eyes. I could have, I could have, I could have gone to, made a mint yeah, out exactly. of this. Exactly, it's like the grumpy cat, isn't it? You know. People oh, need, Grumpy Cat's yeah, back. Yes, exactly. absolutely. The next, next yeah. one of those. Now I have got an article. And yes. I, got, I got a little bit sidetracked. So I started reading this article about how dogs learn to detect, detect colon cancer. Um, it's from, uh, I don't know what journal it's from. Uh, it's a journal, uh, here we go, Journal of Veterinary Behaviour, my favourite one. Oh, there you go. As it, mate, you don't read any other journals. That's no. the only one. You, you always have to go and look and try and work out which journal it is, but that's always the one you pull from. Uh, mate, I go highbrow all the time. Journal of Vet Behaviour and, and, the, and the Herald Sun, mate. That's that's there me you go. right there. <laughs> 
The, dis- the detection of disease such as cancer using dogs or other animals has been the subject of attention since the first, very first story appeared in The Lancet in 1989. Wow. Since then, animals, mainly dogs, regularly appear in both popular and scientific literature as possible assistance in disease detection. In a number of areas, such as diabetic alert dogs, and we actually had one of these in a couple of weeks ago, um, an owner who... Um, who has a dog that alerts her when her glucose levels are getting really low and she's close to actually seizuring. So really, Yeah, right. Really interesting. And, and I think she'd said uh, maybe uh, she had some other condition. I can't remember what it was, but she said the dog had learned. So it, was, it, was, it had been taught to go with low glucose levels, but yeah. it had learned some other condition that she had to actually alert for that condition as well. It was really amazing. Really, really uh, just Just through conditioning exactly. from the... Yeah, yeah the, right. That mum needs help. So they're amazing. Yeah, right. So, and dogs that assist the people that suffer from epilepsy. Dogs are being used, although results have not yet been scrutinized by scientific research. In other applications, samples are taken from cancer patients and controls to train dogs and results being published by behavioral researchers and medical doctors. Usually they employ a teat where samples are offered in a lineup or a carousel or, you know, maybe, maybe a smorgasbord, Denny's, a Denny's smorgasbord. A, de- a, de- yep. a de- Denny's, Denny's style colon samples. <laughs> yes, all you can eat. All you can eat. Fantastic. But just don't go kissing them on the lips. <laughs> and the training protocol used consists of sh- a shaping a trained response to the odour of samples from cancer patients. So they train the dog that when you sniff out the correct one's got cancer, they know it's got cancer, they reward the dog or they teach the dog to do something like sit down on cue or something like that. Yeah. So the technique's been described as remote scent training when it's applied in the area of mind detection. So that's mind like explosive minds. This yep. technique has been approved for clearance of air cargo by dogs in the EU documented for the detection of corrosion under insulation in gas and oil plants and is, wow. in, and is in operational use for the detection of tuberculosis by African pouched rats in Tanzania and Mozambique. That, and, that is some really specific, uh, you know, really specific you know, use. And that's where I went off on a tangent. I thought, yeah, wow, right. that sounds awesome. So I looked it up. Tuberculosis yep. detection by rats. So there's this company called Apopo. Apopo right. has developed an innovative scent detection technology using giant African pouched rats as an inexpensive diagnostic tool for TB. Wow. How about this? So this is amazing. So this is obviously in Africa. And yeah, so yep. basically there's a bit of a process. So number one, the patient comes into the clinic and they pres- uh, they... Um, supplier <laughs> sample at the clinic. Right, yep. And and then that's checked for tuberculosis under a microscope. Um, now, in Tanzania, uh, that only identifies about half of the positives. Right, okay. Half of the tested positive samples are actually positive. So half half turn out to be negative when they look like positives on the sample. Yep. So they, they, they then get that... <laughs> Yep, sample. the, the, the uh, sputum sample. Sputum, thank you. That's the yep. one. Uh, they collect those samples um, and they send them to a popo, which is this organisation, yep. and they deactivate them so they're safe for handling, so you can't get infected by them. They right. then bring out the hero rats. Right. That's what they call hero rats. They evaluate the samples and pause for three seconds over the sample to make a positive identification. 
Right. The sample is then reconfirmed in the Apopo lab by the LED microscopy. Right. And then, okay. then they send the sample uh, that they contact the hospital where it's come from and track back to the patient to start the treatment. So what you're telling me, Lewis, is that uh, they're employing, uh, rather than doing CAT scans, they're doing rat scans. It's spot on, mate. The, uh, the, the pouch rat, the giant African go. pouch rat scan. Nice. And so I thought, well, you know, I'm into behaviour. How do they train them? Yeah. So, number one, at four weeks of age, they tra- they socialise to humans. So they've got somebody who's a dedicated rat interactor, socialisator. Yes. At four weeks of age, the rat man, the rat or woman, rat or rat, the rat person. Yes, that's right. Yes, we're not not allowed to. uh, No, let's not um, uh, make a gender gender bias here. Not make a gender specific. Exactly, it could be anybody. Yeah, but all they've got to do is is socialise to rats. Then they train the rats to associate the sound of a click with food. So clicker training. Clicker training, yep. yep then classic. they learn if they go to a tea egg. Now, a tea egg is like a thing you put your tea leaves in to make a cup of tea, like a little s- cylinder yep. uh, with, with all the holes in it. So they, um, uh, a tea egg uh, containing, I guess it must be uh, the TB, a sample of TB. And yep. uh, and when they go near that one, they, they hear a click sound and they receive the food. Then finally, they go to a three-hole stage is the first stage where the rats begin to identify the target smell. There is one hole with a positive sample and two holes with a neutral sample. So they have to go to the positive one, obviously. Yep. Um, and then then the, the rat will move to a larger cage which holds sample bars, each with 10 samples placed under sniffing holes. Right. And in this training stage, the rat learns to evaluate large numbers of samples. And then finally... They get their TB rat accreditation. They, right. They get, they, their, get the t- they, they, they get the rat pass. They get their little hat, little hat, little cape. And, so they, and get, they, they get a lanyard with a little uh, yeah, little ID tag on it. Boop, little boop, boop. That allows them access yeah. to, the, to the, the, the larger cage with the 10 holes, you reckon? Yeah, quite possibly, yeah. To be, uh, they've got to have they've got to have some way of being able to differentiate them from all the other, you know, the the the, the nothing large African pouched rats. That's right, exactly. Just the layabout ones, the ones that just you know sniffing Vegemite sandwiches and things like that. S- no, they are not the ones that have you know stood up the the, you know, the, 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 the stood up to have a go and get a go. That's right, the hero rats. The hero rats, exactly. Yes. Not the ones just sitting there eating the brie and the foie gras. That's no right. Way. Yeah, that, that's that's so abundant in Tanzania. Yes, yeah, Mozambique, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mozambique's <laughs> really well known for its duck liver pate. <laughs> a popo's TB rats must pass an internal accreditation process before working under operational conditions to become a hero rat. It must find every TB positive patient in the test sample base. So, oh, well, so for them, so for them to get their ticket, they need to have a hundred percent. Accuracy. They're not allowed to. They're not allowed to drop one. Hundred percent, Utah. Good job. Wow. Here we go. We're back to point break. Again. Yeah, you're on it, mate. Spot on. But <laughs> it gets better. It gets better. Yeah. They're also using for landmine detection. Oh, gee, it is right. Yeah. yeah. So they teach them. They teach them landmines, and the reason they use rats is because they've got an exceptional sense of smell. Yep. Um, they are intelligent and trainable. And have yeah. a long lifespan of up to eight years. And they're probably light enough that they might not actually trip the mines Num- as well. Number three, the rats weigh just over a kilogram on average, and that's not enough to set off a landmine. 
Bang. So you don't you lose go. them when they make the mistake. Yeah, okay, right. <laughs> That's definitely yeah, not a... The, p- the, 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 the landmine rats, they only need an 87% uh, success rate for those ones. The TB ones have got to be 100. So, yeah. yeah. So, so they, all, they all want to make sure that they get the 100% mark of just sniffing out the TB in the in the sputum rather than having to go out into the landmine fields. Yep, they're, they're locally sourced and widely available. The African right. giant pouch rat is a native to most of sub-Saharan Africa. They're easily transferable between trainers. Um, so they are sociable animals. And they, though they are sociable, they don't bond closely to their trainers. So that makes transferring them between trainers. I guess when if they're in the minefield, the trainer perhaps steps on something it shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. Then they can just bring another trainer. I don't know. Well, and, and, and probably as well it might be that, you know, if the... If the you know, people will be having days off and things like that, so it means uh, that then you know, so so I wonder if the rats actually are on a uh, you know if, if they get a day off, Lewis, or if it's just now come on come on, ready boys, you know you guys don't uh, there's no 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 Sabbath for you guys, out you go. <laughs> They've got a low maintenance cost. Rats are co- rats are cost effective to source, feed, breed, and maintain. Well, they're, they're everywhere, aren't they? Yeah, they're small size ubiquitous. Makes, makes them cheap and easy to transport, and also they um. They're in excellent health. Apopo's hero rats are in excellent health and live long lives. So there you go, lot, lot, as hero rats. Talk about that. Oh no, talk about that. What a giant African pouch rat wormhole I went down. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was that, really interesting. That is that that is really really interesting. I'd, I'd never heard of um heard of rats being used, and I wonder then, you know, because I mean realistically, I mean the rats if they're if they're that good at it, I mean they could be used for. You know, sniffing out really anything. You know, like if they if their sense yeah. smells that, yeah, that they. I mean, they could be doing it. if they're good enough to be sniffing out explosions and things like uh, those are explosive devices. Yeah, I mean, they could they could. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word. The um, uh, applications, Lewis, would be um, would be yeah, really, really wide. So, yeah, no, that's a that's a really good pull that one, mate. Well, well done. It's a pull, pull. It puts a whole new um, whole new spin on the ice smell a rat, doesn't it? You know. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's okay for us to smell it, but what does the rat smell that, on you? Uh, that's right. What does it say when it smells us? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Is it judging us? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Is it going, yeah, but you smell a bit uh, bit funky there. Yeah, and you're toast, mate. Uh, you know, I hope you've got your life insurance because you're gonna be, your family's going to be using it pretty soon. So there you go, mate. I started reading about dogs detecting colon cancer, and I, got, I didn't get any further because I started reading about rats and TB training. And- it ended ended up in landmines sniffing out rats. That, oh, no. That's uh, that that was fantastic. Yeah, very good deep dive on that one, mate. I love it. So good next stuff. week, next week, I reckon I will finish the article and get back to the the, the good stuff on uh, on dogs and dogs colon cancer. cancer. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now nice we, got, one. we got any mailbag this week. Yes, yeah, we actually um, uh, got a uh, an email from a, a lady by the name of Debbie. Yep. Um, Debbie writes in saying, "My dog has just had its second grass seed removed from its feet in the in three weeks. How can I stop it from happening again?" Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, th- thanks for the question, Debbie. Nice to hear from you. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Debbie. So we're um, really in the midst at the moment, aren't we, Lewis, yep. of uh, grass seed season. And we sort of we were talking about it the other week about uh, the removing the grass seed from uh, from out of the dogs uh, when I took it out of the dog's neck. And we're talking about the all the other fun things of removing grass seeds. But there's a lot of people that can really struggle with their dogs because, you know, the dog's feet, they just are, are feet in particular, but they can get them all over their body. But certainly their feet, they just seem to attract it like uh, – 
you know, flies to a uh, to a colon sample. <laughs> yes, flies to that vet clinic with forty dogs collapsed in the waiting room. And go That's brown. right. Yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what 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 thoughts you got, mate? How do they stop from happening? So, uh, my one of the big things that I sort of talk about is um, is one you need to try and you know, you, obviously it's where you're walking. You know, the dog's getting the grass seeds from somewhere. They're not falling out of the sky. They're not um, coming up out of the carpet. It's where you're walking your dog that there's that that's where they're getting the grass seeds. So, so if you're walking them in areas where there's long grass or you know like some um, some council parks and things like that, they'll have long grass that the dogs love running through. So if you know that, right, well, hang on to that. I can see that there's a whole lot of foxtail, you know, grass awns hanging yep. off these bits of grass, then that's going to really increase your risk. So try and avoiding those spots would probably be a good start. But also then you want to try and improve your chances of trying to, um, A, find the grass seeds before they penetrate in and B, trying to stop them from sticking in their feet in the first place. So I usually get people to try and start clipping their dog's uh, uh, feet up by trying to get rid of all the hair. And so you really see, I, I think, quite commonly in the really hairy-toed dogs, so like your Spaniels and, uh, you know, uh, Border Collies, um, uh, Cavalier King Charles's. But, I mean, really any dog can get it, but the hairier those feet are, the more chance you've got of those grass seeds getting in and embedding in and just then just scooting straight up the leg. Yeah, mate. Yeah, good stuff. Actually, I saw this. Uh, I saw you put this. Uh, this this mailbag came through, and I remember I had an article from the AVJ a couple of years ago where they did a really good study. They looked at four hundred and seventy three dogs. Yeah. That, uh, presented with a grass seed foreign body related disease. Yeah. And in their study, surprisingly, they found fifty percent of them that presented were actually with a grass seed in the ear canal. Right. So I thought wow. That's, that's and this was this was a study done in uh, I think it was the Hunter, the Riverina district of Australia. So up here. Uh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Up, uh, up New in New South, South Wales. New South Wales way. And the thing they found was uh, that uh, grass seeds are three times more likely in medium coated dogs. Right. Even when accounting for the animal's place of dwelling and type of use. So right. you know, if it's living in you know, on a farm or running around the paddocks all day. Um, and they found that the thing that that um, that gave the most protection for finding um, finding grasses, the study suggests that clipping the coat had no protective effect on effect on the development of grass seed problems. Oh, these right. findings I... may appear counterintuitive, but is supported by similar findings in sheep, where no clear reduction in grass seed effects is achieved by shearing. Right. Okay. They also found that frequency of coat checking. However, did not affect the incidence of which grass seeds are found within the coat, nor did it appear to reduce the likelihood of a grass seed foreign body. Finding and removing grass seed is not the most important effect of brushing and combing the coat. They think right. that so they found that uh, that weekly to monthly grooming exerted a protective effect um, on on uh, a decrease in grass. Um, grass seed foreign bodies by four and a half times. So four Gee, and a half times less likely to occur in dogs if you brush them weekly to monthly compared to not at all. Wow. So how about that? So that's really interesting. And they said uh, they think the, um, the, the brushing is about reducing the cross fibers and the coat density by the right, grooming. Yep. So it alters the nature of the coat and makes it less likely for grass seed to penetrate. So... Really, because I always thought, oh yeah, you got to check the pores, you know, check, check here, check there. 
But this is basically saying just need to groom your dog, you know, give them a how often, brush through. How often, though, are you brushing your dog's feet, though, you know? Well, they're saying it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's an yeah. all-over effect. So it must be the grass seed maybe sits higher up and then just the movement of the dog, it works its way down and into those spots on the feet. Well, you, you you can't argue with science, Lewis, but I, I think I'll still tell people to try and check between their dog's toes. Yeah, well, they did find that um, in 40% of the cases that were in the ear canals, yep. um, they, they sort of said, how does grooming reduce the lodgement of grass seed in the ear canals? So they sort of answer your question a little bit. They say, although not tested directly, this study would suggest the grass seed does not enter the ear canal directly, but he's caught in the coat ventral to the ear canal, so to the side of the ear canal. The, the, fl- the fluffy bits. Yep, yeah. and, and subsequently moves towards the external ear canal. Coat yep. density and cross fibers would encourage this process, and then, therefore grooming this region may provide a protective effect. So I guess it's sort of saying, you know, that the grass seed doesn't just suddenly, bing, it goes in the ear. It, yeah, yeah. Or, or in the foot. It sort of works its way around from areas works around. Works its way in and around in. Yeah, from yeah, around right. the areas. So um, what do we got here? The study provides strong evidence supporting the recommendation that grooming at least weekly is likely to reduce um, um, problems um, of grass seeds. Uh, and um, and grass seeds found in the coat. In contrast, clipping or regular searching for grass seeds could not be recommended unless done in combination with grooming. So, well, gee whiz, there that? you go. That's a blown it up, isn't it? Well, there, there you go, Debbie. You know, you can, you can, you know, just, just sit back and and groom out your dog, and 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 hopefully everything will be fine. G- give him a good weekly brush and check. Yes, can't hurt. Can't hurt. Come up. No, certainly not going to hurt, but, you know, maybe have a quick little look between the toes too. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's look, not going to hurt either. No, it's not. Look near the ears. But a brush, yeah, yeah. weekly brush is check, the most check, important check, thing. Check the ears, check the, check the feet, check around the groin and stuff. Why not? But a weekly full coat brush, mate, more important well, there than you go. the crosshairs. So the grass seeds can't lodge in the hair. Very interesting. And the well, most, good stuff, Lewis. Most common, common breeds they found, this is in the country. So number one was a Kelpie, of course. Yes, but, yep. but obviously so the number one. More of them. Yep, Border Collie yep. was up there. Jack Russell, Maltese Terrier, Shih Tzu, Fox Terrier. Well down, Cavaliers and uh, Cavaliers. Golden Retrievers, fair way down. Yeah, uh, right. So, yeah, so there you go. But that, that's probably because they're working dogs, a lot of those dogs, cattle dogs up there. And so, they're, they're probably the ones that are running around the um, the, the longer grass around the Riverina as well. Exactly. So, yeah, probably they're the not, ones that are out on the farms. Probably not brush very often either if they're a farm dog, potentially. No, no, no. <laughs> Can't imagine no. you brushing your Kelpie once once a day. No. <laughs> <laughs> just have us chase, chase, chase the cows all day, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just get out there and just keep doing it, mate. Go on, off you go, off you go. Go on. <laughs> Come back for a brush. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, oh, who do use a nice border collie? Let's give you a nice brush there, mate. Yeah, uh, excellent. Oh, that's great, Lewis. A good, uh, well, well done on bringing that up because I just would have been giving uh, Debbie my uh, older uh, non, <coughs> excuse me, non non AVJ uh, scientific information. Well, I remember, I remember that article, mate. So I thought it was really poignant with that mailbag. So thank you, Debbie, for the question. It brings up some uh, some good education for all of us, I think. 
Fantastic. Good stuff. Um, and if you'd like to contribute to the uh, to the podcast, you can find us. Uh, shoot us through an email at uh, pets at gmail.com. You can also find us on uh, on the Instagram and on the Facebook. Just search for twovetstalkpets.com. Um, and, of course, on Patreon. We're mentioning it before. You can join like Laura did. Uh, just search uh, at patreon.com for Two Vets Talk Pets. Uh, sling us some money. It helps us to keep things uh, keep the lights on and keep things moving with the podcast. And uh, we'll, uh, you know, it's uh, always good to hear from people that are listening. So if you're listening to this and you've enjoyed it, just shoot us an email and just say, hey, guys, you're doing great because it makes us feel good. And tell a friend too. Yeah, tell a friend. Get a friend and subscribe. Tell friends to subscribe. That's how we get in yes. front of more people. Absolutely. And um, and uh, are they are they still saying that? Um, I mean, it's, leave a nice star five star review for us on iTunes just because it's a nice thing to do. But um, makes I think us feel good. Trained- Makes, makes us feel, us feel good. good. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if it's actually. I think they've changed the uh, the the algorithm now. Anyway, but hey, you know, put a five star review on. You know, why not? Yeah, makes. Put a five-star review on every podcast you listen to because everyone's trying hard out there. Exactly, exactly. All righty, guys. I reckon, what do you reckon, Robbie? It's a wrap. All done, mate. Yep, all done. Right, peace out, everyone. Bye. All right, Scott, you later. Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or send an email to twovetstalkpets at gmail.com. You can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at vetbehaviorist, and more importantly, as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals' lives, be sure to thank them with a five-star review on iTunes. Every time you do, a small, cute animal will receive a cuddle.